Welcome everyone to this week's Sailorville podcast. Good to have you join us this afternoon. I'm here with my good friend, uh, Pastor Kurt, and I'm uh, Pastor Paul. I'm the music pastor here. Pastor Kurt is, is of course, the counseling pastor and a, a good friend to me and all of us. Um, those of you who know him, you know he's a he's a good guy and he's concerned about you. Um, and he's been a good friend to me. But we're here today uh, to talk about uh, what Pastor Kurt preached on on Sunday, and that is how we all something we all deal with, right? We do. We all deal with with doubts, uh, with struggles, um, when it comes to our walks with Christ, and uh, just how this crazy world operates and uh, the things that happen to us. And we struggle with. Um, Sometimes where is God in all of this? And we struggle with, is is God listening to me? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Uh, just all the angles that we've experienced in our lives and maybe uh, hopefully help everyone to answer the questions of uh, how they struggle with doubt in their own lives in a, in a biblical, godly way. And we want to, our goal is to leave you with hope today and uh, to know that you're not alone in the struggles uh, that you face and, and God has... Um, answers for those struggles. So uh, we're just going to start off this morning. Just, I just want to ask Kurt, we're just going to have a conversation today. And um, you see a lot of people in the counseling office. And I mean a lot of people in the counseling office. I do. And you see a lot of, of struggles with doubt in the counseling office. So would you go ahead and just maybe open us up with just what are some of the things that you see coming from the people that you see in the counseling office? What are people struggling with? What are they doubting? What are they, what are they really having a hard time with? There are numerous difficulties with which people struggle. Uh, Frequently, I hear people come in, and in the midst of their difficulty, they actually begin to doubt their own salvation. Assurance of salvation can be a big bugaboo. And especially if folks are going through a deep water experience with uh, a mental health issue, the enemy can start to attack, and they can start to wonder, am I really a child of God? Would I be having these feelings? Would I be having these doubts? So I would say assurance of salvation is is a big one. Mm-hmm. I would say, secondly, I've already alluded to it, would be in the realm of, of depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, am I really supposed to be feeling like this? Is this godly? Uh, am I supposed to be under the circumstances uh, how do I survive what I'm going through? Uh, a lot of questions come with mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And then I think uh, just a, a, a general garden variety kind of, you know, I, I'd i like to believe that the Christian life <clears throat> is is real and that I can experience the joy of the Lord and victorious Christian living, but is it really possible? Uh, a lot of folks, I think, secretly struggle with the wonderment, I, is God really for me? Uh, I wonder when the other shoe is going to drop. Is God going to get me because I know myself and I know that I'm struggling and I'm not so sure that that uh, God is happy with me and I'm not sure you really can find, quote-unquote, victory in the Christian life. Those would be some things that I've experienced. I, it makes me think of a, there's an old comic from the, the far side, your exper- experience with the far side, one of the greatest I love comics ever, right? And it has a depiction of God, and it's he's looking down on someone on the earth, and he has his finger over a big button, and the button says smite on it. You know, he's just waiting for that person to mess up or doubt too much or uh, struggle too much or something, and then I'm done, and, and I'm 
going to smite you, right? Um, you find that a lot in the counseling office when people have that that perception of God, and if so, how do they? How do? How? Where do you take them in Scripture to to really fight against a false view of God? Well, we we have to choose by an act of the will, by faith, to believe what we cannot feel in the moment. Mm-hmm. And we walk by faith, not by sight. Second Corinthians five seven. That may sound trite, but it's really true. When we're going through difficulties, we're not going to necessarily feel good. And we may not have answers to our questions, but we have to go back to the foundation of what God says. And, uh, you know, I I, I think a, a biggie where the devil tries to go after us is what he did with our first mother, Eve, in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say that? You know, he's holding out on you. He, he knows that if you partake, you're going to be just like him. And we sometimes, many times, believe those doubts that he implants in our mind. So we've got to go back to the sufficiency of what God has said, mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll say more about that, I know. Yeah. So you've struggled, you've struggled yourself, you've told me, and we've, we've shared a lot about our doubts, and even on this podcast, other podcasts as well, about our struggles with depression, anxiety, yeah. things like that. And, of course, there's doubts that go along with that. So... Could you just share a little bit um, about pers- personally for you, yeah. uh, the doubts that you've struggled with in your life? We're going to do a little emoting here today. <laughs> um, Paul and I are pretty transparent. We've been transparent in front of the church. I'm transparent in the counseling office. Uh, frankly, one of my goals in preaching on Sunday was to make it okay for people to be transparent, to bleed a little bit to be honest about what they're feeling, and even addressing the doubts that are going through their heads. When I was a young person, late grade school, maybe my early teenage years, I really struggled with a lack of assurance of salvation. I got caught in that loop going back and forth between praying the sinner's prayer and then thinking I was saved and then feeling like I wasn't saved and the doubts coursing through my head. And I was in bondage for years. And uh, I had to work through that by just asking myself, what am I right now trusting to save me in this moment? Mm -hmm. Forget about can you remember a particular time and did you have a certain feeling and did you go forward or did you raise your hand or something external? What are you right now trusting in Christ? And when I finally could say, I'm right now trusting in Christ alone, his death and burial and resurrection, uh, I, I know I've seen evidences in my life of, of change, mm-hmm. of marks of grace, and so I'm just going to rest in the fact that I have it because God says I have it. He that has the Son has life. That was a biggie for me, and we've already alluded, you've alluded to the fact that I've struggled with depression, mm-hmm. as you have, mm-hmm. as many people have. And I think in the midst of my depression, uh, this was years ago, I had a lot of questions. Am I supposed to be feeling this way? I mean, how can I even be a pastor? I have these <laughs> kinds of, of doubts. I had that feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not worthy. Maybe I ought to exit the scene here from ministry. Uh, thank God I never did do that. But uh, there were times when I was paralyzed with my fears and worries and, and my doubts. And those course through a person's mind when they're, when they're going through it. So those are two areas where I struggled. So... Let me turn the question back to you, Paul. <laughs> where are some areas of life where you struggle with doubt? Yeah, I, we're going to be pretty similar 
here, um, especially in the midst of depression, which we've talked about at length um, here on the podcast, uh, just going through depression and, and doubting your salvation, doubting if you are not just a child of God, but what, what, why do you have any business being in the ministry? Why do you have any business standing on a stage with a light on you, telling people that God loves them if you're not sure yourself in this moment, right? Um, so that's that was a big struggle. But I, I can't overstate the um, importance of what you said before, and you say it in your book too, um, the, the 30 Days Gospel Living, um, that you ask yourself the question, what am I trusting in right now for my salvation? And yeah. because I know from God's character, from his word, that, no one can take me out of God's hand, right? I'm if I'm trusting in His finished work on the cross and His resurrection, His taking my, Him taking my sin burden on Himself and paying for that through His blood, I'm trusting in it right now. I'm a child of God. There is no condemnation. Romans eight one, right? For those who are in Christ Amen. Jesus, right now. So I can't overstate the importance of. You know, we talk a lot about preaching to yourself the gospel. And just say, you know, preaching to yourself, I am trusting right now in the finished work of Christ for my salvation, not anything I do. And that really takes the focus off the the me, you know, the failures of me, because there are many. Um, but, you know, some of, some of those other things, as far as doubts, I mentioned the ministry, you know, being in ministry for going on 20 years right now. Um, and those times of saying, I have no business being in the ministry. And, and I have to stop and say, well, that's, that's probably true, right? We don't have we don't have any business in and of ourselves being in the ministry, being used by God, or being a believer for that matter, right? God called called me out of darkness into His marvelous light through His mercy, not because of what I've done. So, you know, my advice to people is always put your focus back on the true character of who God is, on the true character of Christ. When you when you put it on that through Scripture, those the doubts have a tendency to begin to melt. <laughs> Uh, because you're not you're not so inward focused. What causes us to doubt the goodness of God, Paul? What do you think? No, I'd, you know, the biggest thing would be uh, circumstances. I would think um, it certainly has been in my life. Maybe you can attest to that as well. But I, uh, we were talking about this earlier that, uh, and I and I've shared the story before with many people. So if you heard it before, uh, you're about to hear it again. Uh, but when my son Isaiah went through cancer for the first, uh, well personality time, but it was, um, my late twenties, but I, I started to deal with depression and things in, I think when I turned 30, I think it was, my wife could tell you for sure, but, um, it's all kind of a blur back then. But, uh, I went to counseling when I first started going through it and a pastoral counselor, um, he recommended that I write a letter to God and just not hold anything back. And I remember he said, um, God already knows what's in your heart. You just need to let it out. And, and, by let it out, you know, admit it, right? That it's a real thing. And I remember writing, I remember very clearly writing on the paper, I don't trust you. This was a letter to God, right? And so maybe with my background or what, you know, wherever this comes from, this, I felt like, oh, I shouldn't say that. (laughs) You know, I shouldn't say things like that. Isn't that, you know, blasphemous or insulting to God to say, I, I, I'm saying out loud that I don't think he's trustworthy, you know, well, my, my experiences in that time were over so overwhelming to me. I, that was my, my sin nature, whatever that was, mm-hmm. was, that was a lie that was in my, in my spirit. And I had to kind of, 
you say all the time, lance the wound, right? I had to kind of get that out in the open to deal with it. Um, but I think a lot of people look at circumstances they've been through, whether it's a health issue or a relationship gone bad or circumstances in the world and say, God, where are you? What are you doing? You know, and uh, you hear people say, well, if, if God is good, then why is there bad things in the world? And I, I have thought about that a lot. And I, I think well, maybe we're asking the wrong question. Maybe we should ask, why are there good things in the world? <laughs> if, if, uh, I, you know, just, just to think about the fact that uh, just to, again, to go back to the character of God and in, in his word. And I always go, I always point people to Psalm 103, but just to think about who he is, that he's always faithful to his word. Um, when we put our focus on, him, his character, through his word, again, those those doubts and those circumstances begin to melt a little bit. So well, let's back up just a little bit yeah. to some of the people in Scripture. Yeah, we're very honest about how they're feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that comes to mind quickly would be, of course, Job. Right, it's very transparent. There's got to be a reason why there's so many chapters in the Book of Job where he's wrestling with God, yeah. as well as his miserable, comfortable. Comforter friends were giving him a hard time. They were great until they opened their mouths. Right? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, we're talking about, is it okay to say, I'm wrestling God, I don't know why this is happening, when does it step over the line into sin? I think with Job, when his wife told him, why don't you just curse God and die? He refused to do that. And I think that's where he did not sin. In fact, the text says in chapter 1, in all these things, he did not sin. But he was still in agony. He was still questioning. And much of the book of Job, he is asking big questions. Mm -hmm. He's emoting. He's bleeding. Uh, And we see it elsewhere in Scripture. Can you think some Scriptures where the writers are very much emoting? Well, I think your mind immediately goes to the Psalms. you know, I think of David and other psalmists too. And um, Psalm 13 uh, starts off with, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? I mean, these are things that he's just letting out and just saying, Things are really bad, God. Where are you? How long is this going to go on? Aren't you in, by inference, you know, aren't you in control of all these things? And so I think a lot in the Psalms, um, you know, you, you made reference in your message on Sunday, and I, I, I told you earlier this, that uh, the thing that I remember most was, you know, 60% of the Psalms is songs of lament or, or, or people crying out to God and saying things similar to this. Mm-hmm. And so there's something about, you know, in God's word, in God's inspired word itself, there is complaint against himself and that includes in a sense the lord jesus in <laughs> psalm 22 1 which i referenced on sunday yeah. on the cross he quotes from that psalm which is written by david but he borrows it he is knowing that the writer of scripture is speaking with him my god my god why have you forsaken me and we know that jesus did not sin and yet he asked questions right, right. so what would you say to someone who asks you know that is it is it sinful for me to ask these questions of God? Is it sinful for me to come before him and say, how long are you going to forget me? Because we know there's there's people that feel like that right now. Yeah. 
that God has forgotten me. I'm looking at my situation, my circumstances around me. Maybe their family has abandoned them or something has just gone really drastically wrong. What would you, how would you counsel them? Is this a sinful thing to, to let these things go and say to God, I don't trust you? Or where, where is that line? It's a tough question and only God knows our hearts. Uh, again, I want to repeat that part of my goal in preaching what I did on Sunday was to make it okay for people to come to us, even in a counseling office, mm-hmm. and unpack their fears, worries, doubts, mm-hmm. because they're there already, as the counselor told you way back when. Yeah. God already knows. Why don't you go ahead and be honest about it? And I think a younger generation wants us to be able to uh, open up and allow them to ask us questions where they have honest inquiries without our rebuking them. No, no, don't ever say anything like that. Uh, That's less than honest Mm -hmm. with ourselves when we act that way. But obviously we can't start throwing God under the bus. That's when we move into that realm of the folks who are deconstructing their faith. Mm -hmm. They've actually turned bitter toward God and they rail against him, and that they're not really asking without bias. They, they have already determined in their heart to reject. Mm-hmm. It's okay to ask the question, but we ought not to push into that realm of unbelief that hates on God mm-hmm. and rejects him out of hand. Okay to ask the question, but willing to find an honest answer from Scripture. Yeah maybe is the the way to think about it. And in some cases, to admit, we don't know right now why (laughs) you're going through this. Uh, I I find us gravitating to that section of uh, doubters that I mentioned in Scripture, the wounded doubters. That's kind of dominating our thought here today. Mm -hmm. Um, There are temperamental doubters too, which maybe you and I are more prone to because of our our, uh, melancholy makeup. But... um, a lot of wounded believers out there, and that's what shows up in the counseling office. They've been wounded by life, and they're wondering about God, and they're coming with honest questions, and we need to listen well. I find myself asking lots of questions and letting people talk at length because they've got to get the poison out like Job did and like the psalmists did. But then we've got to push them back toward the Lord, you know, why are you cast down on my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? And then he answers it, hope in God. Oh, yeah. Psalm 42, Psalm 43. Yeah. we got to push people back. Okay, we got to choose to focus on what God has said, even when our feelings scream the opposite. Yeah. We have to choose to believe. And that all goes back to the cross, the centrality of the gospel. We know historically what Christ has done for us. He was crucified because of his love pay for our sins, was buried and rose again the third day. That was the emphasis, not only Easter, but last Sunday in the message that I preached. Mm -hmm. And that's something we know we can stand upon. It's grounded truth. Mm -hmm. And we have to go back to that. When we can't see in the darkness, we can go back to the light of the gospel. You mentioned, Kurt, um, those that are deconstructing their faith. That's somewhat of a, a modern word at least is. is what what i've found uh these deconstructionists um and a lot of people 
tend to doubt because they see um, those that are deconstructing their faith or those that have had moral failings, especially within the you know evangelical realms of, yeah. of the church, the church at large. So um, maybe you can talk a little bit to those people, those people that are seeing, well, the, all these people that were once you know titans of the faith, so to speak, and now they're over here doing this. You know, that can really affect and shade people's uh, perception and possibly even their faith. So maybe you could speak to that a little bit. What would you say to those people? It is difficult to be sure. If you think about it, even of the 11 disciples, Judas had already offed himself by the time of the crucifixion. But the 11 disciples basically all forsook him. Smite the shepherd and the sheep will scatter, is a quote from the Old Testament that was used in the context of Jesus' crucifixion. We have to avoid putting our faith in people, even the best of people, even those who lead us in ministry. They will fail us sooner or later. Only Christ will not. And I think we live in a celebrity culture where we tend to put people on a pedestal and idolize them and think them almost little mini-gods, which is blasphemy. And whether it's in the musical realm or whether it's in pastoral realm or authors, um, we've talked about you know a leading apologist before in this context mm-hmm. that went off the rails, yeah. which probably really shook a lot of people oh, yeah, because sure. of all he had said and written. Um, I'm still not convinced he wasn't a believer <laughs> because believers can do some really bad things like number one disciple Peter denying that he even knew the Lord when Jesus most needed him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, we all know of some leading ministries where there's been some significant moral fails of a recent origin. Uh, I think back to my earlier days of ministry when I had a good friend in ministry who was a powerful zealot he, he was so passionate for the gospel when you heard him preach. And then his daughter was tragically killed in an automobile accident. And soon after, I, I heard of fights going on between he and his wife. And then he, he exited the ministry. And then from what I could tell, he exited the faith, went into a homosexual lifestyle in San Francisco. This happened when I ministered in the West Coast. Uh, sometimes people go through some really tough stuff and, and they lose their way. Only God knows if they're truly believers. I think if they are, they'll eventually come back and be restored. But uh, I, I think what we have to avoid doing is putting people on a pedestal and thinking they're going to be perfect because they won't. We kind of live in a church culture um, maybe not not this specific church, but maybe the church culture at large where things tend to be pushed on us that are kind of, uh, I think you used the term, what was your term that you used in the, in the sermon? Happy? Oh, happy, snappy, clappy. Happy, snappy, clappy, right? You have the, the happy, snappy, clappy, um, you know, music that gets played on the radio station and all those things. And so sometimes we we see that in, you know, quote unquote Christian culture. And then we, we're, we look inward and see those doubts and that ugliness. And we're like, 
what is going on? What's wrong with me here? And even that insight you shared, you might want to share with our audience here of the demographics people oh, yeah. shoot for yeah. in the yeah. realm of Christian broadcasting. Yeah, kind of an interesting. Talk, talked with a, uh, a friend of mine um, who was in the Christian broadcasting and just basically sharing how, you know, if it doesn't test well with a certain group of, of women you know, of a certain age, you know, driving their kids to soccer games or something, you know, then it doesn't get played on the radio station, you know, because who wants to, you know, be dealing with a fight in the backseat on the way to the soccer game while you're listening to a Psalm lament or something on the radio <laughs> station, you know, uh, but, but at the same time, you know, because that's, that has been part of that culture, you know, sometimes we, it leads to those feelings of, am I the only one feeling like I, I need to lament right now? It's a very real part of who we are as children of God, people, aliens and stranger in, the, in this world, uh, wrestling with the really dark stuff that happens in this world and, and God's relationship in, to us in it all. Um, but, you know, that, yeah, that is, a, it's, it's just uh, one of those things where we, we kind of look at ourselves and we look at the culture around us and we say, what's, what's wrong with me? So have you had those, have you had people talk about that with, with you, those feelings of guilt and yeah, I, I think the average person sitting in the chairs on Sunday, if we really knew how many doubts they have about themselves, even about some of the things that they think should be true of Christianity and of their families, they don't necessarily measure up, and so they kind of sit there quietly mm-hmm. and don't say much, but they struggle. And we're trying to invite open dialogue but we're going to then push you toward the truth because there is evidence for the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. And if you give God time, you're going to see him come through. And we can't live in the moment because we are very much a microwave mentality. I need this and I need this now, God. And if you don't come through for me, then I guess this isn't real. <laughs> and that's not biblical Christianity. Um, Psalm... 61, verse 3. When my heart is overwhelmed, here's the prayer, right? When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. That's been a prayer, a favorite psalm of mine for a long time, starting in that episode when my son went through a sickness uh, some time ago. But um, God, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Lead me to yourself. Lead me to who you are in the midst of this struggle my heart is overwhelmed i don't know what to do and one of the but one of the things he tells us to do um and i love this it's uh, psalm 62 verse 8 um so i'm gonna look it up because i don't want to i don't want to mess it up here in the moment but um psalm 62 verse 8 it talks about what we are um th- this this idea that we talked about a little bit earlier kurt of people being afraid to say what's on the inside and be truthful with God and instead maybe talk in platitudes or niceties because they don't want to somehow offend God, right? So Psalm 62, verse 8, it says, Trust in him, that's God, trust in him at all times, O people. And here's the part. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. So if an, an invitation of the almighty creator God to say, Dump it out in front of me. Mm-hmm. I'm a refuge for you. Right? And our tendency, my tendency, is to pen it up inside you. 
because somehow God can't take it, <laughs> right? What would you say to someone that was going through that very same struggle? Truth be known, most of us go through hard times, even though we may not articulate it. And I, I think body life implies that we are real with each other and allow other people to speak truth into us. Now, we need to speak truth to ourselves and preach the gospel to ourselves with regularity, but sometimes we need other people to help us with that. It is a common malady that God's people go through. I, I began my message on Sunday with an illustration of sitting next to a young woman who was a singer with uh, that group Point of Grace, and I mentioned that to my young friend uh, and his wife, the, the wife, Jen, when she received that note, was encouraged because the note she received was a point of grace to her. And in our difficulty, we need people to be a point of grace mm-hmm. to help us turn our face toward the sunshine when we feel like we're walking through the shadows it is a choice, but among the things that we need to do is pray for each other and encourage each other to listen to Christian music that will help them to read Christian literature, even biographies. It will help them to realize that others have gone through deep water experiences right. like we have, right. but they need to hear scriptures, and we've been repeating some scriptures here, like Romans fifteen thirteen. may the God of hope Fill you with all joy. Fill you with all joy and peace. In believing. In believing, there's a choice that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Overflow. So <laughs> really our our hope is a confident assurance and a better tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And we are a people of hope. Mm-hmm. And we have to look beyond the now and the moment to the future. Even the return of Christ. We're, we're accepting that by faith. It's called the blessed hope in Titus chapter 2. We have to choose to believe that, but I think we need to help each other yeah. in our down times because, quite frankly, a lot of people are struggling behind the scenes. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and just to encourage y'all, y'all who are watching this and each other too, that we need to be those people that are, Kurt and I talk about this a lot, that those people that are a little bit further up the valley reaching back down into the valley, pulling people out or saying, Hey, there's light up here, up ahead. Um, when people are in the midst of their struggle and, you know, it's, we need, we need to really put some emphasis on that. Don't waste your suffering, right? Don't waste your struggle. God can use that struggle in the future. Your struggle is not for nothing, right? Our depression has not been for nothing because we can reach back down into the valley and say, there's light up ahead. So, we, we, we give those struggles to the Lord. We are open with those struggles with each other. And then we use those struggles for the people that are struggling with, Second Corinthians 1 says, with any other thing that they're going through. We comfort them with the comfort that we receive from God. So we do. I, I, I want to give a nod before we're finished here today yeah. toward that category of intellectual doubters. Sorry to interrupt you, Pastor no, Paul. No, not at all. Um, there are questions that thinking people ask Mm -hmm. and we ought not to be afraid of those when our kids or grandkids come to us and say but what about and there are resources that can help i remember in the counseling office leading a young woman to christ very intellectual very accomplished Mm -hmm. 
and she had struggles with the resurrection. And I said, here, I'd like to give you this book, The Case for the Resurrection by Lee Strobel. She read it, and God softened her heart, and I was enabled by God's Spirit, the leader to faith in Christ. Um, I did research for my message on Sunday by Lee Strobel's book called The Case for Faith. So we can put material into people's hands. There's a lot of apologetic materials out there that are extremely beneficial. So we need to invite the hard questions and point people to truth. It's not just folks who are wounded right. doubters that we're trying to speak to here. There are folks with intellectual hang-ups. There really are good answers. Christianity is not a blind leap into the dark. <laughs> it's based on historical fact, and people need to hear that. And the problem comes in where you've got the rebellious doubters who say, I don't want to hear it, which is really just a cover for, I don't want to change my life. I don't, I don't want to bow the knee to God's standards and let him determine for me how I'm supposed to live. Just a couple more questions for you as we round the corner here and and end things up today. Um, it's been a good conversation. Thank you, Pastor Kurt. Um, but we, we want to make sure that it's, I guess the question for me is, how do, how do we make sure that it's, it's okay for people to pour out their heart before God, that, that they know that, that they can um, be okay with being honest about their doubt and with, about, about their struggles with God and with others? How do we, how do we encourage them that way? I think reserve your judgments when someone comes to you and may even surprise you a little bit with what they're asking. You really need to hear people out. Now, sometimes they are crossing over into the realm of sin, and they really are jaundiced against God. And oftentimes that's because they've been hurt by a so-called Christian or a church or whatever. But we need to give them the benefit of the doubt and let them talk. And they'll upchuck, they'll verbally vomit, and we need to be able to take it. God can. God, in the Psalms, obviously, he put that in the scriptural canon for a purpose to say there's a lot of good people, David among them, that really asked some hard questions and God wasn't taken back. Um. Even in the book of Revelation, where you got the tribulation saints up in heaven, they're asking, how long, oh God, before you basically take vengeance on those who took our lives on earth? God has a timetable, and he allows us to ask those kinds of questions. So we need to be indulgent with people and gracious and kind and supportive and encouraging, but not let them wallow in their doubt and angst and self-pity that moves into the realm of sin. Mm-hmm. And we, we have to listen to the voice of the Spirit. I think you're going over the top here. Hey, let's bring you, let's rein you back into the truth of Scripture, what God says. Determined to live in the hope of God's Word. Yes. Not to wallow in the mire of your circumstances. That's really good. Um, I, I, I want to, in, in Psalm 13, I'll circle, circle back to that. We, I started with that earlier. He was saying, how, how long will you forget me? Um, and, and bringing his complaint before God. Uh, I just want to make note of how that psalm ends. Um, verse 5 and 6. But I have trusted in your loving kindness. 
my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Amen. At the end of all of the complaint, he goes back to the truth of who God is. I, I just wanted to, uh, maybe, maybe you would end us up today, Pastor Kurt. You said something about uh, that uh, that Jesus died, that Jesus died for sinners, and that Jesus died for, would you say that again from your sermon, um, just to remind us all of that hope? Because we want to end with, with hope, right? Yeah. Could you say that again? little threefold outline. I love it, by the way. <laughs> Jesus died. That's history. Mm-hmm. Jesus died for sinners. That's theology. Mm-hmm. Jesus died for me. That's salvation. And that is where our hope is found. Amen. No matter what circumstances we're going through, no matter what intellectual objections we may have, the hope for all of mankind is found in Jesus Christ, his death, burial, resurrection, taking our sins on himself. And that's that's the hope that we hold to here at Sailorville Church. That's the hope that you and I hold to and Tanner back there behind the camera. Um, and we, we want you to know that hope as well. So if you have any questions about anything that we've talked about um, here today, you have doubts, you have concerns, we want to be men that uh, come alongside you and uh, or, or, or hook you up with someone that can walk alongside you and uh, address those and point you to Scripture, point you to who God is, and point you to the hope that is only found in Jesus. That's our prayer, and uh, we just want to thank you. Thank you, Pastor Kurt. Thanks, Tanner, back there. Uh, thank you guys for joining us today, and uh, we'll see you next time, okay?